Hi, <laughs> my name is Casey Shutt. I'm the pastor at King's Cross Church in Oklahoma City. And we are remembering today, Good Friday, the great work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And it's important that you have um, with you a, uh, the Good Friday order of worship. It's available on our website, kingscrossokc.com. Because we will be praying prayers together, reading scripture together, singing songs together. And you will want to have that on hand so that you can follow along. Thank you for joining us. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray you graciously to behold your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. One God, forever and ever. Amen. Hear God's word from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12.
Hear God's word from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Psalm 22, 1-11 through Full re- 
This is the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and an Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered them over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather, This man claimed, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him who they have pierced. This is from John 19, 1 through 37. Thank you. So on the one hand, it's, it's fairly basic. We have, like I said, five-year-olds in our congregation that understand that Jesus died for their sins. And yet on the other, it is uh, complex. There is a depth to this work of Christ. In fact, just in, in preparation over the course of this week, I referred to a couple of books just looking at the cross of Christ. One of those books was 700 pages, and the other was 400 pages. This is two books. And both of those authors readily say at the beginning of those books, we have not even begun to scratch the surface, the magnitude of this work. And so it's an, it's an enormous work. And I want us to just consider... With, with kind of broad strokes, uh, what Jesus underwent. It began with a betrayal and an arrest and a trial that Mark describes as a complete joke of a trial. It was a bogus trial. And um, Jesus is being questioned uh, by the Jewish council in this trial and undergoing their scrutiny and their examination. Um, you know, I watched, not too long ago, we watched the movie Just Mercy about a lawyer who has spent his career uh, finding folks that were wrongfully convicted of, of major crimes and arguing, pleading for them. And there was a scene in this movie where, where this, this lawyer presents this rock-solid case, tightly argued, and, 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 and you, you see it, you see him argue this and you're like, this is, this is accurate. And then the courtroom totally dismisses all of his arguments, all of his reason, and makes some just bogus conclusion from the thing. The injustice, it's infuriating. And that, the way, I would love to go into details on it, but in Mark's gospel, he describes that kind of trial. It's just a joke. And while Jesus is being questioned by the Jewish ruling authorities, Peter is outside in the courtyard warming his hands by a fire. And a little girl, maybe 10 years old, maybe 12 years old, somewhere in that range, comes and says, aren't you, the, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? And Peter, so she's questioning him, and Peter just buckles under her interrogation. And Peter, and along with the rest of the disciples, abandon Jesus. And he's alone. 
And then he goes under uh, the, the, the mocking and the beating and the crown of thorns. They strip him naked as they would of any, uh, anyone that was being crucified. And he marches his cross to what is the equivalent of 33rd and Broadway. Right? It's a public spectacle. The, the purpose of the crucifixion was a carefully designed execution, not just to kill, but intended to strip the humanity from the crucified. So Jesus undergoes that, and, and that's what we see. That's what the crowds see. And that's really only the tip of the iceberg. Because hidden on that day is a spiritual reality of which we, we can't imagine. There is a cry that Jesus makes on, on the cross. It's called the cry of dereliction, where Jesus cries, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? It gives us a little, a little window into the spiritual reality that was taking place at that moment. Because not only was Jesus receiving the hostile anger, arbitrary anger of the crowds and the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities, but he was receiving the holy, righteous judgment of God. He was receiving the judgment that you and I deserve, that Father Abraham deserved, that uh, Lot deserved. Lot! Lot in the New Testament is considered right. Peter calls him righteous Lot. How does Peter do that? If you read about Lot, there, there's, there is hard to find any redeeming qualities whatsoever in Lot. How, does, how is Lot called Righteous. Because on the cross, God is pouring out his judgment and wrath upon Lot. He's pouring it out on Christ. And Lot is getting Christ's righteousness, just like us all. Um, it's how David is righteous. It's how Mary Magdalene is righteous. It's how St. Augustine is righteous. It's how Billy Graham is, is, has been made righteous. Jesus is experiencing compounding judgment upon himself on that cross. So we combine the, the, the spectacle of the thing, of, 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 the, of the whole moment, uh, what we can see, and then we combine that with what is unseen, the spiritual reality of God's wrath being satisfied in this moment. And we think, how? I could understand it as necessary I could understand it as something that Christ came to do, but this is what Jesus calls this in, especially in John's Gospel. He calls it his moment of glory. That the Son of Man must be lifted up, referring to his being lifted up on a cross. That This is the moment where he is glorified. How can that be possible? Jesus claimed to be the image of the invisible God. And as he is dying on that cross, we are seeing what God is like fundamentally. We're seeing his glory. Namely, God is one who pours himself out. God is, at his core, one who gives. He's one who loves. And that's what the cross demonstrates. 
as we conclude, uh, there's a British theologian named Michael Reeves who's written a number of good books that I urge you to read, but this one is on uh, Christ. And he says this, Would you ever have thought a man dying on a cross was the definition of love? Yet this is how we know what love is. 1 John 3.16 Would you ever have looked at the miscarriage of justice that was his trial and imagined that there, above all, is displayed the perfect justice of God? Yet God did it to demonstrate his justice. Romans 3.26 Would you ever have dreamed that the Almighty would make the definitive display of his power there, nailed to a cross, between common criminals, there seems to be nothing powerful about that man in the throes of death. And yet hanging there, he is crushing the head of the serpent, tying up the strong man, driving out the prince of the world, destroying death, putting the spiritual powers to open shame and triumphing over them. On the cross, we see true, pure power used as it should be, to bless. Amen.
in your order of worship, and I am going to pray uh, through the prayer if you would join when we reach the bold-faced type. There will also be some moments of silence in the midst of this prayer, and you're welcome to offer up a prayer as, as things come to mind to pray. Dear people of God, our Heavenly Father sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved that all who believe in Him might be delivered from the power of sin. Death, and become heirs with Him of everlasting life. We pray, therefore, for people everywhere according to their needs. Almighty God, kindle, we pray, in every heart the true love of peace, and guide with Your wisdom those who take counsel for the nations of the earth, that in tranquility Your dominion may increase until the earth is filled with the knowledge of your love. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for all who suffer and are afflicted in body or in mind, for the hungry and the homeless, the destitute and the oppressed, for the sick, the wounded, and the crippled, for those in loneliness, fear, and anguish, for those who face temptation, doubt, and despair, for the sorrowful and bereaved, for prisoners and captives, and those in mortal danger, that God in His mercy will comfort and relieve them and grant them the knowledge of His love and stir up in us the will and patience to minister to their needs. Praying together, Gracious God, the comfort of all who sorrow, the strength of all who suffer, let the cry of those in misery and need come to You, that they may find Your mercy present with them in all their afflictions. And give us, we pray, the strength to serve them for the sake of Him who suffered for us, Your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for all who have not received the Gospel of Christ, for those who have never heard the word of salvation, for those who have lost their faith, for those hardened by sin or indifference, for the contemptuous and the scornful, for those who are enemies of the cross of Christ and persecutors of His disciples, for those who in the name of Christ have persecuted others, that God will open their hearts to the truth and lead them to faith and obedience. Merciful God, Creator of all the peoples of the earth and lover of souls, have compassion on all who do not know You as You are revealed in Your Son, Jesus Christ. Let Your Gospel be preached with grace and power to those who have not heard it, 
turn the hearts of those who resist it, and bring home to your fold those who have gone astray, that there may be one flock under one shepherd, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us commit ourselves to God and pray for the grace of a holy life, that with all who have departed this world and have died in the peace of Christ, and those whose faith is known to God alone, we may be accounted worthy to enter into the fullness of the joy of our Lord and receive the crown of life in the day of resurrection. O God of unchangeable power and eternal light, look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred mystery, by the effectual working of your providence, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world see and know that things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him, through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, we pray you to set your passion, cross, and death between your judgment and our souls, now and in the hour of our death. Give mercy and grace to the living, pardon and rest to the dead, 
to your holy church, peace and conquered, and to us sinners, everlasting life and glory. For with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen.